How's everybody this morning? That was great, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody doing okay, I guess, right? Amen? Glad to be here this morning. Are you glad to be out at church today? Are you? I am. I really like coming to be here with y'all. Do y'all believe that? I really do. I look forward to it. Ever since I became a Christian and um, God delivered me from all the struggles and sins and debauchery that, uh, that I, many of you know about, that I've told you the stories about, I, it's just like once I got that clean bill of health, amen, <laughs> I came running back uh, and I've never left. I love being with you. Uh, just, just always remember that I'm not a perfect man. Can I have a mighty shouting amen on that one? Okay, good, good, good. Uh, I will always stumble. I will probably always make mistakes in the things that I say and in the things I preach. I try to bring, I try to bring uh, the, the sermons to you, the most accurate that I can possibly muster as a, as a fallible uh, man of God try to stay anchored in the text, try to cross-reference Scripture with Scripture and follow the original context of the Scripture. But just remember, I am an imperfect man preaching a perfect gospel. Amen? That's a struggle. So always charity. Amen? Now, this message is not real hot. I'm not building you up trying to, you know, just to you know, get you ready for something that's going to be tough. But um, preaching the gospels is difficult work. It's, it's a labor of love. Um, so I just, I hope that, uh, I hope that you benefit from coming here uh, week in and week out, and hearing the Word of God preached uh, and applying it to your life. So, Luke chapter 6, join me there. Um, we have about two more messages in the Sermon on the Plain. We have today's and then the next one where Christ actually does his invitation uh, that you've heard me mention several times uh, over the past several months, where, the, uh, where if you hear and build on the foundation on which is Jesus, because there is a storm that is coming, and you want your home to last when the storm comes. That'll be the final message of the Sermon of the Plain. And then we will move back into uh, Christ's ministry uh, as he heals and as he teaches. Uh, so we've got two more today, and then one more in the Sermon on the Plain, and then we'll transition back to Jesus' healing ministry. Uh, so it's really fascinating. I hope you're getting that as we, as we walk along with Jesus and the apostles and the gospel of Luke, and you're actually living this gospel in your own life. I, I have seen many, many instances where uh, preaching through this book have hit certain instances in my life perfectly. I mean, the timing of the text and what I'm dealing with in life and as a pastor uh, lines up al- almost to perfection. So I hope you're seeing that in your own life. Luke chapter 6, what we're looking at here is this message that's called Sermon on the Plain. Remember, he goes up to the mountain, he comes down, he chooses his 12 apostles to follow, and then he preaches this message where he has this eschatological tension, loving your enemies, praying for those that persecute you, all those wonderful, difficult teachings that Jesus gives us. We see this worldview reversal and how we understand that the coming judgment at the end times enables our ability in the now to, to quote-unquote tolerate what we deal with in this world to know that, 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 that there is coming a time when all that will be set right by God. So that's why we can love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us and do good to those who hate, hate us and bless those who curse us and so forth. Then we also looked at the sacrificial love and service and giving and how as a believer that doesn't require reciprocation. Uh, worldly people, when they give, what do they expect? 
they expect to get. Most of the time, if, if, we, if we serve someone or do something for somebody, it's because they've done something for us. And so there is this reciprocating mechanism that we expect. Christ says in the heart of a believer, that's not supposed to happen. If it does, it's fine. But you don't do it with the anticipation or with the expectancy that because you give, someone is going to give to you. We give and we serve and we love sacrificially. Amen? Amen. Then last Sunday, we looked at probably one of the more difficult teachings, and that is to be merciful in judging. If you remember what he said here in Love Your Enemies, then coming down to the end, he said, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I took a good bit of time destroying the idea that that text tells us as Christians that we're not supposed to ever judge anything. That's just wrong, okay? The whole Bible is full of of admonitions to us as believers to judge things in our lives. The key to that is to judge in a loving, giving, merciful manner, not in a hypocrisy, not in in a hypocritical or a condemning way, but in a very merciful, giving manner are we to judge. The points where Christian disciples must watch for and resist hypocrisy. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but, but I always want to know uh, as a pastor what it is that drives people away from the church. You know, you, you talk to people from time to time and they've been gone from the church for years and, and you, if, if you're fortunate enough to find one that'll talk to you, one of the things they will always say is that the church is full of what? Hypocrites. So, and, and of course, we know there's hypocrites at Walmart too, but yet we go there, amen? But, but the fact of the matter is, is that believers of all people on earth, believers should be the farthest thing from hypocrisy out of any people group that's on earth. So we must be extremely careful about not being hypocritical in our own lives. And proper judging is one of those things. And that's what Jesus is driving at here. So Christian disciples must watch for and resist hypocrisy. We must judge according to God's standard. God's standard, not our own. That means to use the proper measure when we judge. That is God's word. We must use God's word when we judge, and we must do it in a giving, loving fashion. Therefore, if we judge in a merciful, loving, giving way, God says the measure will be returned to you. Therefore, when it comes your time to be judged, how will you be judged? In a merciful, loving, giving way. That's what he means. That's what he means by that. Then Christ talked about the danger of following a hypocritical leader. Garbage in, garbage where? out, right. So if we are going to allow ourselves to be taught and to be led by a teacher, we need to allow ourselves to be taught and led by a teacher that is not hypocritical, a teacher that is sound in judgment, a teacher that practices what they preach and so forth is what Jesus is saying, okay? And then we must not, most importantly, we must not be hypocritically blind to our own what? Sin. That is so important. That is what Jesus means when he talks about, do not call out the speck in someone else's eye unless you have dealt with what? The log in your own. That's what Jesus means by this whole thing, okay? Not that that we should never judge. That's not what he's saying. That's impossible. You make judgments every day of your life, in every realm of your life. What he is saying is when it comes to others, do not make hypocritical judgments before you 
call out anything in somebody else's life, you need to evaluate your own life first. And be sure that you are walking according to the very precepts in which you're about to judge someone else. That's what he means by that. And no one should be better than that at, at better than that, at, than Christians should be. Amen? Amen. A little tongue-tied this morning. Sorry about that. All right, so today we're looking at verses 43 through 45, Luke chapter 6. And I want to start this by asking you, have you ever thought of yourself as a tree? Raise your hand if you've ever thought of yourself as a tree. Rena Lunders has thought of herself as a tree, okay? Wonderful. I, I have thought of myself as a tree many times because the scripture today, Jesus, asks us to think about ourselves as a tree, okay? And specifically what he's talking about today is after he is giving us this Sermon on the Mount and he's gone through all of these, these different character traits of the Christian, he is asking ourselves, Jesus is asking us to evaluate what type of tree we are. Are we a good tree that yields good fruit or are we a bad tree that yields bad fruit or rotten fruit? So right now I want you to just think, just close your eyes and just imagine that you are a tree. I don't know what kind of tree you want to be. I've always wanted to be an oak, amen? So I'm going to imagine that I'm an oak tree. So you imagine what kind of tree you are. And just get that visual in your mind as Jesus walks us through this text, beginning in verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his what speaks? Mouth speaks. Now, first of all, Christ's teaching here validates what we learned last week that Christ did not mean to never make judgments. He meant to judge mercifully with love and charity, not hypocritically condemning and harsh. Now, what is the evidence of that? Why do I say that? Because these verses now teach us to look and to judge by what? By the fruit that one produces to tell whether or not they are truly his. He intends this judgment to be placed upon the teacher first before anyone else is evaluated or judged. Honest self-evaluation is a prerequisite for being a teacher for Christ. Always, and you hear me on this, brothers and sisters, always willing to be corrected and to learn. Amen? That is the difference between a humble serving teacher and a prideful hypocritical teacher is a, is a humble, willing spirit to be corrected and to learn. So we must first inspect the log or the plank in our own eye before we point out the speck in someone else's. We must first genuinely evaluate whether we are a good tree yielding good fruit from Christ before we judge someone else. So first of all, all professing believers, notice I said professing believers because not all professing believers are really believers, okay? All professing believers will bear some form of fruit. Would you agree with that? Yes. 
Fruit, the word fruit Christ uses here is metaphorical for action based on belief and the total sum of those beliefs and actions equal the life of that person. It is the part of us, the part of us that is seen and known by others. When someone develops a relationship with you, they will begin to know you and witness the beliefs and activities that transpire in your life. Over time, it will become apparent whether or not your life is producing good fruit or bad fruit. Whether you are a good tree or bad tree. And over time, each person will show what they are. Now, I had a thought on this passage because I, I, who here loves apples? Y'all love apples. I, I absolutely love apples. We buy 10 every time we go to the store because Mary and I fight over who's going to get to the apples the quickest. But the other day, there was an apple in our little thing in the kitchen there, and I went and grabbed that sucker, and I bit into it, and guess what? That sucker was as brown and as rotten as any apple I have ever bit in my life, and I kind of like chewed it and like swallowed half of it before I realized it, and then I looked at it, and it was all brown, and I was, you know, just trying to get rid of that thing. But it's interesting that, that sometimes you can't really tell on the outside whether a fruit is bad or not. Have you noticed that? And a lot of times you won't know until you what? Take a bite out of it or until you get ready to put it in some kind of dish you're cooking for somebody and you slice into it. And so my point is, is that a lot of times it takes some tribulation, it takes some conflict, it takes some heat uh, to, to discern and to test whether that fruit is good or not. Just one of my thoughts for that. So it may be hidden for a while, whether that fruit is good or bad, but at some point the fruit must be bitten into or cut, and then the truth is revealed. So this this fruit, this fruit theology, this fruit metaphors in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament, New Testament. We don't have time to go into the depth of all of the passages and where it's used, but I do want to give you just a couple from the New Testament when it's introduced to us. Well, the first place that we hear anything about fruit is from John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 10 says this. This is when John the Baptist began his ministry in the wilderness and the Pharisees are coming to see him by the, by the dozens outside of Jerusalem or arguably by the hundreds. And so he's preaching to them and he says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves we have Abraham as our father for I tell you God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree remember think of yourself as a what tree every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the test on whether or not you're really in the faith or not is whether you have good fruit or bad fruit. Now how do we know that? We know that by what the scripture says. Now simply put, I'll just simply put, it's whether your life is increasingly Christ-like or not increasingly Christ-like. I mean, that's ultimately the test that you're looking for. But I'm gonna go a little beyond that 
in, in, in what we're talking about here. Paul also uses the fruit metaphor, most likely following Christ in his use. And this is one of the more quoted and taught passages in the scripture found in Galatians chapter five when Paul contrasts the good life led by the spirit and the bad life that's lived where? In the flesh. In the flesh. He says in verse 16, so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in what with each other? Conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Then he gives you a very distinct contrast. The bad tree yielding, the bad fruit, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Y'all remember Thanksgiving's coming up, amen? We watch these words. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So those that live in this manner, and I'm going to clarify that a little bit, because if you're like me, man, I remember the first time I read that passage, I was thinking to myself, well, well I mean, I, I, got, I got mad yesterday. I mean, I, I, I've done, I mean, I hadn't, I mean, I got jealous yesterday. I mean, I, I, I've had selfish ambition. I mean, I, I, factions, I mean, I, I've done some of this stuff since I've been a believer. So, I mean, does that mean that I'm, that not, not necessarily, okay? So, just follow me. And then the good tree yielding good fruit, okay? So, here, you got the bad, the bad, the bad fruit, the flesh. Here, here's the good, the good, the good fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, hallelujah, amen, Owen. Tell us about it, brother. Tell us about it. Y'all give Owen a hand, amen? Woo, all right. We love babies here at Parkway Baptist Church. Can I get a witness how much we love babies here at Parkway Baptist Church? She, he, she could have kept him right there. I would have just, just preached louder and louder and louder. It would have been fine. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now, let me, let me tell you, tell you my, my, my lifelong thought on this, okay, is that, is that well, well, let me just start this way. Here's the question, right? Is it possible to be a bad tree one day and a good tree the next? <laughs> I would, I'm so glad you said that because I do agree somewhat with that. I do think there are times when we have characteristics of a bad tree on one day and a good tree on the next, especially when you're in budget season, amen? I mean, or, or tax season, right? Or, or, or your child has a test the next morning and you're trying to get them through that. Or, or, you know, you've run out of money and it's the 15th of the month, amen? You know what I mean? Those types of things kind of, kind of make you edge toward a bad tree. But I do think you can, okay? But, but here, here's the test. The test is... Which direction are you trending long-term? Which direction are you trending long-term? 
Is your life characterized and the people that know you most intimately, would they characterize you as trending toward being a bad tree giving off bad fruit or a good tree producing good fruit? Okay, that's, that's the question, okay? For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is, is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. So the point is, there is production, right? There's gonna be production in one way or the other. Look at this text from Jesus, Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. So in the fruit production, one of the key indicators of a life that represents a good tree bearing good gospel fruit is the indicator of producing a crop. Matthew 13, 18 through 22, Jesus is interpreting the parable that he told the, the apostles. Interpreting, I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, we don't have time. I'm just gonna jump to the end and tell you how he interprets this. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. Verse 22, the seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But finally, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So what are we producing? Are we producing gospel fruit? Are we, are we producing bad fruit? Both will produce, both will produce a crop. And the distinction between the two is does it line up with Christ? Does it line up with the word of God and is it good or is it evil opposed to God's word? And then he gives you two examples. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Everybody that loves thorn bushes, stand up, give me an amen. I hate thorn bushes and I hate bramble bushes. Never have liked either one of them. Have any of you ever liked them? No. My dad, I mean, I mean the, the, the hatred for this is generational, amen? I mean, I mean, the hatred for these bushes goes back centuries. My dad taught me to hate them. I remember when he was alive, he would take me and my brother to the sporting goods store and get us outfitted for hunting season, and he would always get us a pair of them briar pants. Y'all ever get a pair of briar pants? A pair of briar pants with a nylon barrier up to the thigh, all the way up to here. And he would say, son, you need these pants because those blankety-blank thorn bushes will cut you to pieces. And he was absolutely right because they would. They would literally draw blood if you crashed into them unrestrained. Well, a few weeks ago, this, this curse, you know, happened again when I was in my yard cutting grass, hopefully for the last time, amen. I mean, it's gotta be over soon. 
And I got a little bit too close to the north side of my, to, of my yard, and the, the, the tree line is there, and there are these bushes that grow out. And those bramble bushes, man, they've got those, they've got those thorn arms that like grow out beyond everything else, you know what I'm talking about, that reach way out there, like 10 feet out. And I'm driving along, you know, not paying attention to what I'm doing. Well, I mean, I was, but I mean, you know what I mean. And all of a sudden, I ran right into one of those bramble bush arms, and it grabbed me right here on my right arm, and it tore all the way across my chest until I pulled away from it. Those thorn bushes are brutal, and I hate them to death. Hate them. But figs and grapes, on the other hand, figs and grapes, on the other hand, who loves figs and grapes? Amen. We have a couple of fig trees in our yard, big ones. We had fig trees in Columbus. They yield those pod-like figs that you can pick off and eat. They're really good too. If you've never eaten one, you need to try one. And they're soft trees. You can push your body into them if you want to, to, to trim them up or, or, be, or bend, the, uh, bend the limbs back. Sometimes they're, they're kind of a brittle tree. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll, you'll break them. So let me ask you this question. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be a thorn tree or a bramble bush maybe you want to be so you can get the pastor when he's cutting his grass right or, or do you want to be a fig tree or a grapevine which one figs there's two sets of contrasting plants or trees and his point is very simple you don't go to a thorn bush looking for figs because you know they don't grow there you know that you don't go to a bramble bush looking for grapes because you know they don't grow there well, the principle follows for good trees bearing good fruit and bad trees bearing bad fruit. So which one do you want to be? And that's not hard to figure out, is it? I mean, when you're walking around either in the woods or in your yard, when you see a thorn bush, what is your instinctive response? Stay away from that sucker, right? Or set it on fire and get rid of it. I mean, you don't, want to go, you don't want to go near a thorn bush because you know you've been taught for generations that thorn bushes are bad and then cut you. But by the same token, you walking around your yard somewhere and you happen to see a fig tree or you happen to see a grapevine, what do you think then? Let's go have a, let's go eat, right? Let's go up there and get us a fig. Let's, 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 let's eat together. Let's, let's get up there and, and get, get us a fig and start looking for something to eat. So of all of us gathered here this morning, how do you want to be thought of? Thorn bush, bramble bush, or figs or grapes? That's what Jesus is saying. So I'm going to tell you this the scripture does not color thorns in a positive style. Amen? If you know anything about the Word of God, it does not. In fact, in fact, in the initial word of judgment on this world by God, thorns are mentioned. Thorns are evidence of the fall. Genesis 3, 17 and 18 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. In scripture, thorns are not a good thing. Do you remember what was put upon the head of our Savior when he was put upon Calvary's cross? What was it? A crown of thorns. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7, when talking about apostasy and fruit in believers' lives, the author of Hebrews says this, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. That's a good thing. 
But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Jesus is drawing a very strong contrast on the Sermon on the Plain that afternoon, and he's getting close to the end of his sermon, so he is making certain that there is no, there is no confusion about this. Long-term speaking, are you a good tree bearing good fruit, or are you a bad tree bearing bad fruit? And we are to judge ourselves on this matter before we judge anyone else. And then finally, verse 45 the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his what speaks? Mouth. The mouth tradition, the mouth tradition exposes the heart condition. Yeah. The mouth tradition, traditionally, how your mouth speaks, the words that it utters, exposes the condition of your heart. Long term, there's no escape. Long term, there's no escape. You know, I remember back years ago, my dentist told me that there had been some recent studies that showed there was a a correlation between bacteria and plaque in the mouth and plaque in the heart. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah, which can lead to long-term heart disease. So if you kept your mouth hygiene up, you were less likely to have heart problems. They still, they still teach that. What Christ says here is exactly the opposite. What Christ here is saying is that your heart condition will determine your mouth tradition. Your heart, what is in this right here, what is in this is going to come out of this. There is no escape. There's no hiding it. It's like cutting that fruit, biting into that bad fruit. When it comes out, it's exposed. So what Christ helps us to see is that the health of the heart is actually betrayed by the mouth, which truly exposes what is hidden in the heart. So what he means by that is a good person, a true follower that is born again of Christ has good treasure in the heart and produces good. He or she's not going to be perfect, amen? I mean, you're going to slip into the flesh occasionally. You're going to make bad decisions. But on the whole, in the majority of your life, it will be exemplified by Christ-likeness. Conversely, an evil person, a false convert or who is not born again, has evil treasure in the heart and produces evil. They may be able to hide it for a while, but at some point, at some point it's going to be shown for what it is. For out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mark chapter 7 verses 14 through 23, Jesus says this, and he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me all of you and understand There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? 
Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness. Sounds a lot like Paul's list, does it not? Deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So as Jesus moves near the end of the Sermon on the Plain, he brings everyone to a close and gets all of them to hear, you're either a good tree bearing good fruit or you're a bad tree bearing bad fruit and the treasure in your heart will determine what comes out of your mouth. If it's evil, evil will come out. If it's good, good will come out. So all professing believers will bear some form of fruit. Mouth tradition exposes heart condition. And we will close with the Gospel of John. If you will go there with me, I'll give you a moment to go there. John chapter 15. I did not see how we could finish this morning without reading this wonderful parable. If I read it real slow, maybe we won't get out on time. Amen? John 15. Beginning in chapter 1. Listen very carefully to the words of Christ. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do what? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you... Now listen very carefully to this modern-day American Christians. Angie and I talked about this yesterday. 
in our lives how quickly people will write you off over nothing. Listen to what the scripture says, and I would say writing someone off over nothing is bad fruit. Can you amen that? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. That's pretty serious, isn't that right? It's pretty serious. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So the ultimate, the ultimate good tree, good fruit bearing manifests itself in what? Yes, yes, love, sacrificial, life-giving love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for calling us to follow you. And it is so very difficult in this world to stay focused on you and your commandments. Now more than ever, there are hundreds of voices competing for our attention. Telling us all types of different lies. Lord, we want to be a good tree for you. We don't want to be a bad tree bearing bad fruit. We want to be a good tree bearing good fruit. And one of the first places that manifests itself is in the love we have for each other in the body of Christ. Are we willing to do what it takes to love each other? To allow your love to flow through us, to help us to be willing to do whatever it takes, to be eager to maintain the bond of unity and the spirit of peace and sacrificial love to consider the needs of others more important than ourselves. To manifest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control toward one another. To understand that what goes on here is about you and that if we will keep you loving you, serving you at the forefront of our hearts and minds, Lord, we will be a good tree bearing good fruit. We will be in the vine. We will abide in the vine and we will bear fruit. Lord, as we come into this Thanksgiving and holiday season,
important, how important is it for us to be good trees bearing good fruit? All of us have difficult family situations in our lives. All of us have disagreements when we sit around the table, political, ideological, all different types of different disagreements. But Father, when those disagreements come, help us to be peaceable, help us to be loving, help us to be kind. Help us to not be temperamental, harsh, but to be patient and loving. Lord, I think about our own family thanksgivings that I I don't have anymore with my family. My mom and dad being gone, grandmother, grandfather being gone. And I look back and I think about the life we had. And I would give almost anything, Lord, to sit around the table again and look into their eyes and let them know I love them. So Father, for those that still have families here and still have an opportunity to be, to be a good tree and to impart to them good fruit, irregardless of how nasty they may be, we do not return evil for evil. We return good for evil. And so Father, as we enter into this, this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, Jesus asks us are we a good tree bearing good fruit or are we a bad tree bearing bad fruit and to look at the plank in our own eye first before we call out the speck in someone else's eye and we do that Lord as we close today and we also open this time for anyone who has not made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who has not come to a place of repentance and turning from their sin and receiving Jesus as their Savior. And Father, we always offer, it doesn't have to be walking the aisle, it can be right there in their own seat, it can be later today at their house, it can be whatever it is. Whenever the gospel conviction comes upon their heart, they can receive you, repent of their sins and come to you. a good tree bearing good fruit so Father we pray and we end this time and we ask 